Hello, the goddess of death has invaded Asgard. If hell is back, then Asgard's already lost. I'm going to stop her. Alone? Nope. I'm putting together a team. It's me, you, and the big guy. No, no team, only Hulk! It's me and you. I think it's only you. Three Films on a Podcast has no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode. All film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders and is used solely with the intent of film criticism, commentary, and education under fair use law. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy! Hi there! Welcome back to Three Films in a Podcast, the show where three friends challenge themselves to broaden their cinematic horizons by watching new and unseen movies in a unique rotating format. My name is Tyler Beck, coming to you from Portland, Oregon, and I'm joined, as always, by Ben Lawhorn in Salt Lake City. Hello. And Matt Weiler down in Pleasant Grove. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> hey. Uh. <laughs> um, if you're new to the show, I'll take a second to uh, sort of explain how this thing works. Um, I, I mentioned that we have a unique rotating format that works in a series of rounds. And each round, one of us will pick a central theme and then we'll each nominate one movie apiece for a total of three movies per round. Uh, all those movies are based on that one central theme. And once we've watched all of those movies, we come here to the podcast, to the YouTubes, to the Spotify's, wherever this finds you. And we discuss and we share our thoughts with you, our listener or watcher, I suppose, if you're doing this on YouTube. Um, now, with that said, we do allow ourselves to watch movies outside of our very strict main format, uh, which allows us some flexibility and so we can watch, you know, uh, maybe a new release, or we can hold a movie draft, or we can recast a movie, or in the case of this episode, we'll recap a watch party. Now, we release these special under episodes under a, a special moniker. Uh, we call it Three Films in a Little Podcast, uh, and it is one of these little pods that you find yourself listening to right now. So without further ado, let's just get into today's episode and recap the watch party for Thor Ragnarok. Um, Ben, for those who haven't joined us for a watch party yet, first of all, shame on you. Uh, and second <laughs> of all, uh, why don't you tell them what they're missing? Uh, give, them a, give them a feel for how these things work. I mean, as usual, we had a really good time. Um, Matt did for about 20 minutes or so, and then his <laughs> night was ruined by a power outage, unfortunately. But Don't remind me. Uh, we pick a theme each month to kind of uh, let people vote on what movie that we're going to watch. And this one was dubbed for MCU March. So we had uh, a big poll, a big bracket going out there about which movie people wanted to watch. We had all 23 movies jumped down to 16 for the March Madness style bracket. And then Thor Ragnarok ended up winning at the end. Uh, it was actually tied at the very end with uh, Black Panther. Um, and I won't tell you who was the winning vote there that got <laughs> Thor over the edge. But uh, I mean, it's it's a great time. You know, we, we've gone over the stuff in our Instagram about how to do it all. But we run it through teleparty. So everybody's watching at the same time. There's kind of a little chat room on the side going. And it's just like it's nice with these movies that we've seen before to like still enjoy the movie. But be able to talk about, you know, silly things that come up like, hey, is this the funniest MCU movie or like is this Jeff Goldblum's Rushmore mountain, that kind of a thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, thanks to everyone that's showing up. It's, it's a blast every single time. I, I feel like a broken record. I know we say this every single watch party, but it's one of the things I look forward to the most out of all this. Cause it's just like kind of a carefree viewing, you know, you're not necessarily 
doing it to like focus on, you know, for the pod and take things away from it's like, let's just hang out and relax and talk about a movie. So, um, yeah, great time. Uh, Matt, I'm going to throw it over to you to kind of talk about what Thor Ragnarok is. Yeah. And I, I mean, I also just wanted to add how much fun the watch party is. I mean, we kind of started this whole thing during the pandemic and the watch party. I think watch party like technology improved just because of how remote everyone needed to be. Oh, absolutely. So honestly, like it's something that's going to stick around because like how often could you get together with your friends on a semi-regular basis and watch a movie with a bunch of people at the same time? And it's and, and talk during the whole thing. You're like you, you can't do it outside of this platform. And so it's, it's a ton of fun. I'm super glad that we've stumbled across it and yeah. I'm happy to keep it going. And, and as Tyler mentioned, our, uh, our list of our, our rounds that we do as a podcast is, is very sacred to us. We don't just let anything in. And so these podcasts, these one-off podcasts are, are really fun to like mix it up a little bit. Uh, but a friendly reminder that if you are a patron on our Patreon, you can have a say on what we let onto our actual podcast, have an influence on a round. We will do a movie of your choosing um, on, on our official Official in, in the canon, I should say. Yeah, yeah in the canon, in the three films pod canon. Yeah. Um, but Thor Ragnarok, man, uh, it was it was quite I, 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 w- I was not shocked that it came out on top. And we'll talk about that later. But Thor Ragnarok is the third installment in the Thor trilogy. It is directed by Taika Waititi um, and really came as a change of pace, almost like a, a resurrection of. Not that it needed it, but a resurrection of the the franchise. And I say resurrection because this Thor is completely unlike the other two Thors. Yeah. Um, I think Guardians of the Galaxy kind of showed uh, the powers that be at Marvel what some of these Marvel movies could look like, especially the ones that are kind of out there that maybe verge on um, taking itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think they learned from Guardians that like, take the absolute opposite approach and have fun with it, go over the top. And that's kind of what we got with Ragnarok. Um, and it's just a great time. Thor, you know, just to give a brief synopsis is, uh, has, has to face, uh, his, his dad passing on, um, at the exact same time, learn that his sister, who's going to destroy everything is, is coming back. (laughs) And it's just kind of a movie about that. And, uh, a lot of family drama. To, yeah, it's a family <laughs> drama. Uh, Thor's Thor's no stranger to family drama. Um, but yeah, as if Loki wasn't causing enough problems, let's throw in another sibling that's going to come wreak havoc on, in, on Asgard. Um, but it's it's a ton of fun. It's also, my opinion, the best Hulk movie. Um, as much as I enjoyed The Incredible Hulk, um, it's it, it it takes from a lot of different areas and just makes a really fun great movie and Taika need I say more just brings such a great script and direction. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. I uh, couldn't possibly agree more. Um, It feels like, you know, all the, especially the Avenger movies and, you know, uh, having Robert Downey Jr. in the cast leads to some like quick witty banter. And there's always been a little bit of humor and a little bit of like wit and whatever in these things. But like you said, after Guardians of the Galaxy, I think they sort of realized that like these whole like the whole movie can be fun like that. And I think yeah. like Thor is such a especially in the first couple ones, he's such like a 
a serious like straight character you know what i mean like he's sort of uh almost like cartoonishly like square you know what i mean and a lot of the mm-hmm. humor comes from like the fish out of water element of him being in you know on earth this drink i like it i know it's great right another <laughs> like he's he's always been like sarcastic mm-hmm. and kind of whatever but as far as like the tone of his character and the films in which he lives they haven't always been that like light and just like charming and funny like he's mm-hmm. always been my yeah. favorite avenger uh maybe just because i wish i looked like him i don't really know <laughs> but um yeah i think you're absolutely right like bringing taika in and having his spin on it uh probably wouldn't have happened without the guardians of the galaxy but also was like i think uh maybe not game changing that might not be the right way to put it but i think it was a good breath of fresh air and a good indication of like oh you know what like these are supposed to be fun right like Mm -hmm. like you know that's my biggest criticism of the dc universe is it's all just so goddamn serious he turns to me and he says why so serious i don't know i just i just think uh i think you're right i think it's a really nice little breath of fresh air and um it's one of my favorite MCU movies. I think um, it's great that we just got to see Chris Hemsworth's humor. Like we saw it a little bit in that Ghostbusters remake. Would it be okay if I bring my cat to work sometimes? Uh, he has major anxiety problems. You know what? I, I would love to let your cat live here with you, but I have a pretty severe cat allergy. Oh, I don't have a cat. He's a dog. His name's my cat. Your, your dog's name is my cat? And Mike Hat. Your dog's name is Mike. Last name Hat. Well, his full name is Michael Hat. I can't say that I'm allergic to dogs, so. Yeah, that's right. He lives with my mom. Well, then we have that figured out. With Kristen yeah. Wiig, mm-hmm. and he's the receptionist, and they kind of play up, you know, that role. And he's like, he's genuinely really funny in it. And I, I don't know, you know, if that's kind of what opened the door to like, let's just let him be funny. Like you said, there's the moments in Dark World. There's, you know, a little bit more, I think, in the the first Thor. And it is the the fish out of water thing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. an Avenger. He's like, hey, that's my brother. It's like, he's killed millions of people. He's adopted. You know, like, so he's had like <laughs> funny lines in there sure. for sure. But this was the first time where really just like, let's just let him cut loose and see what happens. I think Taika is a huge part of the success of this movie. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it was a blast. Like Matt said, I wasn't surprised, I guess, that it won when you think about all those elements put together. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really, it's kind of cool. I just thought about this. It's sort of like a soft reboot of the franchise, right? And Matt, you mentioned yeah. that, like mm-hmm. you said, it saved the franchise, which I think I agree with, but it's just, it's, it's pretty sneaky how they were able to just say, hey, like, we're going to completely shift the tone and change uh, how people look at this character and the way his stories are told. And it's leading to him that the, his storyline merging with the guardians of the galaxy. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think that's really cool because this is definitely a departure from the first two. It feels like it's not even in the same franchise necessarily. And I, and I love the subtle nod to that with the, uh, the play of the death of Loki or whatever. Mm-hmm. that's being put on an asgard when thor returns yeah. um i, I love oh, how that's like they're almost like putting they're almost putting that to bed that previous two movies you know what i mean like for sure it's like the, the death scene for those and even just the term ragnarok movies. like right yeah. this is this ragnarok you know yeah 
so I got to thinking while, well, I kind of always think about this when a comic book movie comes up, but like, despite, cause despite how much I love them, I don't always necessarily think about comic book movies uh, with regard to their merit as actual movies. You know, like we just talked about how clever Taika was and how he shifted the tone and. Uh. Hey, 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 take it easy, man. Over here, the pile of rocks waving at you. Here. Yeah, I'm actually a thing. I'm a being. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Korg. I'm kind of like the leader in here. I'm made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be afraid unless you're made of scissors. <laughs> Just a little rock, paper, scissor joke for you. And that's, that's like stuff that's very difficult to do and to do well and to do right and have people still buy in. And I mean, that's not even necessarily what I wanted to talk about with regards to this movie, but just when, just in general, I, I sort of have a tendency, despite my love for them, to just dismiss them as like just a comic book movie or just whatever. Like, I just don't put them in the same vein as like a traditional film. Yeah. And I'm just curious, like, if you guys, do you guys feel the same way? Am I create? Am I alone there? Like, are there examples of comic book movies that transcend their stereotypes? I feel like, uh, I feel like the comic book movie, the way that it's evolved, I, I think at first when a comic book came up and you you found out that it was, I, I feel like, first of all, there's reluctance to adapt them because of what, what was even plausible to bring to the big screen. Yeah. That's and true. so it took until, you know, the, the late nineties for studios to even want to try to make a decent um, superhero movie. Yeah. And at that point, like it was so heavy on visual effects um, that perhaps some of the other you know, elements were overlooked, whether it was casting or writing. I don't know. I, I personally like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. But when you bring in like Blade, Daredevil, you know, Ghost Rider, some of some of the X-Men movies, like they were great for their time. And I think they were like. It was evolving into what it is now, but it wasn't it was a tadpole. It wasn't it wasn't the frog yet. And uh <laughs> I wish I had a better analogy than that. Nope, that's perfect. That it was, uh, <laughs> We're going to play a clip of Toad from X-Men right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else. Um, but I think... So I think in that era, we would look at comic book movies as like, okay, this is just going to be a popcorn special effects show, you know, like we'll get some fun, like quippy writing. But it at the end of the day, like we just want to see Spider-Man swing through the the city. We just want to see Wolverine's claws, you know, fight somebody. Yeah. Whereas it I think I mean, I think we can all pin everything to Chris Nolan's Batman's trilogy and Iron Man is raising the bar Mm -hmm. uh, to what a superhero movie could be. And I think from that point on, like, I still think we tend to think of comic book movies kind of with that asterisk next to it, even though as a whole, the genre has evolved. Um, and so we're, we're seeing, you know, really great ones. And I feel like to answer your transcend, I think there's probably others that have like transcended to being a comic book movie. But I think Black Panther, like, is just chock full yeah. of social discussion. You know, you sure, can yeah. teach a course off of Black Panther. And there's there's others and, and themes and other ones that you could talk about. But that's what that'd be my answer there. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the first ones I wrote down, like you said, was The Dark Knight, because it felt like that was, 
kind of a, a turning point for comic book movies, um, especially with the Batman franchise. You know, the last Batman that we had seen had the Iceman, Arnold Schwarzenegger and <laughs> Uma Thurman and Bane. Like, and then we had had like two face of uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey's crazy Riddler, which are like fun <laughs> and they're campy and that's awesome. But then the next thing we got was Batman begins. And I know Nolan said like, he just really wanted to root it in realism. And that's why all three movies, Gotham's different cities, you know, whether it's Chicago or New York or Pittsburgh, like, because he just wanted to seem so vast and big and there's not really like a, a magical element, I guess, you know, to anybody, like it's all pretty much rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, you know, kind of when it switched, and like you said, with Iron Man two, not Iron Man two, but with Iron Man <laughs> as well, um, like we talked about earlier, I think Marvel was just like, gave John Favreau the keys. It's like here, like, again, like I, I don't think anybody that didn't know about comics beforehand really realizes how, B level of a character Iron Man was like he was not mm-hmm. a big deal at he's all. Not, he you was know? not cool. Yeah, he was not cool at all. But now <laughs> he's just like Robert Downey Jr. is just like the dude. You know, like he's the main guy carrying us through all of this. So um I think they kind of gave him that freedom, and I think James Gunn was given that with Guardians and just like Taika with Thor. It's like cool, just like redo it. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my the, like one of my favorite ones that I think. I guess to answer your question, I, I feel like I always think of it as a comic book movie, but I feel like they've created almost like sub genres within them, especially Marvel. You know, it's like mm-hmm. Ant-Man's a comic book movie, but it's a heist movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Guardians is a comic movie, but it's kind of a space epic, you know, that kind of a thing. So it's like they, they're still I still see them as an overall comic book, but um, they just have kind of different. I don't know, elements within them that they've done really good job with. One of my favorite ones that has done that, I'm going to probably go over one of my favorites and one of my least favorites, but one of my favorites is Logan. They really kind mm-hmm. of turned that into like a, a Western and there's so many hints in the movie to the movie Shane where it's just, I mean, I don't know. It, we could go into that for a long time. Logan's great. I think it's a, a wonderful movie. I think it was a, a great movie for Wolverine, you know, and that just really, it was kind of a Western is what it was. And they made the palette look like that as well. And on the other end, and we've talked about this in one of our recaps is Joker where it doesn't really seem like a comic book movie. It is, but it's just like, Mm -hmm. it it really is like Todd Phillips's like taxi driver and King of comedy with the Joker (laughs) in it. But technically it's a comic book movie, but I think some other ones that we don't really think about that don't have like necessarily comic book characters in them is Movies like 300, um, Sin City, you know, that one's like, Mm -hmm. when you think about the style of it, it's like, oh yeah, that's a very comic book looking movie, but don't necessarily think about it like that. Um, And Kingsman, you know, or I guess Mm -hmm. Watchmen, you probably think about that way. But yeah, I think there's just like, we can go away from the traditional Superman, Batman, Spider-Man that everyone knows. There's a lot of comic book adaptations out there. But one of the ones that I think really transcended the whole genre for better or worse is Ang Lee's Hulk. If anybody's seen it, because like he put the comic strip panels inside the movie, like that's how we transitioned from scene to Mm -hmm. scene. Like he really was just like, we're getting into the, this is a comic book. We're going to remind people about, of that, like every five to 10 minutes. And I mean, you can argue whether or not it worked, but he, he went for something different. He's like, this is a comic book character. It's going to be a comic book movie almost literally. So yeah, I think um, that's a very just long winded answer to to answer your question, but I still see them all as comic book movies, but I think they've just done a good job of creating subsets within that genre. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, you guys stole every talking point I could have possibly <laughs> had, which I sort of somewhat, I sort of expected. I mean, there's only a few answers to this, really. I mean, in, in my opinion, yeah. I haven't seen every movie, but uh, the first one that popped in my head was obviously The Dark Knight um, and also Sin City. Watchmen popped in there. Um, and I haven't seen Ang Lee's Hulk, so I can't really speak to that at all. Um, but in that same vein, I guess we can just shift to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is just how like visually striking this movie in particular was like when, when I think back to it, you know, when I think back to like the smoky streets of Gotham in Tim Burton's Batman or, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of the stuff Zack Snyder does like in the Watchmen and in like the new Justice League, which I'm sure his his cut of the Justice League, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Um, you know, I can think of a lot of, you know, Thor or uh, Thanos sitting at the uh, sitting watching the sunset at the end of uh, whichever movie that was. I can never remember Infinity the two. War. Infinity yeah. War. Yeah, you know, so like, there's definitely you can think of moments, but this one in particular was just like beautiful throughout the entire time and had just some just incredible visual moments to me. Uh, and I'm curious uh, if you guys felt the same way. And uh, also like, it's weird that comic books and their movies in general don't get recognized for their visual quality because like, yeah, they're both very visual mediums. You know what I mean? Like comic book art, is incredible. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many different styles and it's so detailed and it's so fun and vivid. And, uh, each like the style, like you can think of like the style of this, of the early Spider-Man comics and how it's different from early Batman. And even though they're both kind of like pop arty and I don't know, I just think it's really interesting. And I just, it's something that even surprises myself that I don't really necessarily think about the visual aspects of comic books and their movies. So, um, yeah, I just curious, did you guys have any moments in, in this movie that stood out to you? I did. I, I just want to hit again, just real quick. on what you're just talking about. Like, I do think they don't get recognized enough when it comes to award season. Um, obviously Heath got the best supporting actor, um, after he had passed away, which I think was well-deserved. Yeah. Um, but dark Knight not even being nominated that year is the reason that they moved it up from five to being up to 10, you know, because I think a lot of people were, it was 2008 that, that, or 2009 Oscars, um, when Slumdog Millionaire won and people are just like, how did Dark Knight not even get nominated? Like, this is crazy. (laughs) So that's when it all changed was after that. It's like, we need more options than just five, you know, and the Oscars, you know, got pushed back from it. But a few years ago, like, well, let's do best popular movie. It's like, no, if it's good, it's good. You don't have to just do (laughs) like popular. is just going to be the comic book awards. Like, no, if it's a good movie, you should award it. Ruth Carter, you know, she won for the um, costume design for black Panther, which was a hundred percent deserved. Like that Mm -hmm. movie is amazing, but Mm -hmm. it is crazy that a movie like Angley's life of pie can win best cinematography when it was all done on blue screen. Right. But stuff like Endgame or infinity war or any of these other worlds, you know, that, that are created in the comic movies don't get recognized. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know, hopefully that, that changes. Um, but in terms of Ragnarok specifically, a lot of the stuff that I could think of, like that came to my mind first was just basically 
every scene with Kate Blanchett. Like yeah. <laughs> she is so fucking cool. <laughs> like yeah. she was perfectly cast in this. I, I wanted to get so much more of her like later on, you know, like if you know the infinity saga, like Thanos was trying to court death and I was like, Oh, are they going to bring her back? And she's like the goddess of death. I was really just hoping that was going to happen. Um, but specifically like when she, you know, pulls her or like runs her hair, her hands through her hair. And then it becomes like that crown, the, Mm -hmm. the antler crown thing Mm -hmm. that she has, which is so awesome. Um, like arguably as cool as vision and cap picking up Mjolnir is hella stopping it, you know, just like just holding it there and just like, Oh, you have no idea what I'm capable of. Like you could just see the shock on Loki and Thor's face. Like, Holy shit. Like you you immediately feel devastated. Like there's no way they could beat her. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is the one thing that he has that can beat anybody. And now it's just like literally crumbled, you know? So those two are probably like the first two that really come to my mind. Obviously it's like a visually stunning movie, but yeah, just give me anything with Kate Blanchett basically. With all that shade that Ben just threw on the Oscars, uh, if anyone from the Academy is listening, please like, and subscribe to our podcast. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Uh, No, but I, I agree. And man, I I have a hard time picking just like one scene from this. Cause honestly, this, to me is like one of the more visually I feel like they've gotten better like mm-hmm. everything just keeps getting better in my opinion even even uh there's some shots in like WandaVision that that are just like holy crap like yeah, yeah. I can't believe what like I can't believe the content that we're getting in this genre um I yeah it's like teenager me in the, his wildest dreams wouldn't imagine what we're getting <laughs> right. to enjoy right now yeah um but it's interesting because like we, we brought up kind of how the, the genre has evolved and you bring it like you, you think about like Batman Forever that Ben brought up and just like all these neon colors and like way overdone, like set design. And it's like it felt like a classic skating um, <laughs> on screen. Yeah. And they, they the genre kind of went away from that. And then you you get into like X-Men where they're like, you know what, we're we're trashing the spandex, no colors. We're going black leather. We're going like no comic booky colors at all. And that's kind of where the genre went for a long time, even up through, you know, the MCU and Batman Begins. Like they didn't really reintroduce any of those like fun colors that makes things like really comic booky. And I think Guardians, you know, again, kind of brought a lot of it back. Um, kudos to like Avengers and and some of these earlier Marvel movies that like didn't shy away from like the colors of the costumes, at least. And kind of tried to stay true to like some costume design, but yeah, they just sort like, of like m- muted the colors a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Ragnarok really just kind of decided, you know what, we'll take those colors from Batman forever, but we'll <laughs> do it right. Like, we'll just do it in a way where like we know that it's over the top, but we'll make it look cool like a comic book the way that you see it on the page. And I feel like it just works so well, especially like those sort of like space acid trippy 70s comic books like yeah just like all these like colors and uh to to ben's point like uh kate blanchett's character is just like so striking in contrast to all of that and again they leaned into like costume design like they didn't shy away from like these intricate like antler things in fact they made them like better and more striking in the in the cinematic version. And, and so I think that makes this movie stand out just like all these 
these contrast and these like high, like uh, what's sort of sat- saturated sets and yeah. locations is just like so awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, it seemed I feel like, and I could be wrong here, but just as I've been thinking while you guys are talking, uh, I don't listen to you guys. I just think about something else. <laughs> we know. Uh, no, I. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um it's this this is the first that i can think of or one of the only i don't know it just it made it an obvious attempt to just look cool you know like yeah. it, it it put in gratuitous cool shots just for the sake of putting them in there and a lot of times that can backfire uh i'll we'll save our review for later but that's some of my critique of this new <laughs> Snyder cut of the justice league. Like sometimes yeah. it's just like, it, it can get to a point sometimes where you're just like, I get it. Why are we still watching this? Like, <laughs> I know it looks cool. Can we please move on? But I think Ragnarok does a good job of balancing, balancing that out where every time it goes to a, a wide shot of a battle and it looks like a Renaissance painting, like he does that trick a couple of times and it works every single time mm-hmm. you yeah. know what i mean and in uh like the final battle where uh it's sort of like that slow motion montage of like okay uh the tide's turning towards the good guys and like you have the fireworks and the explosions behind oh i'm forgetting her character's name valkyrie the valkyrie oh it's just valkyrie okay i was like she's the valkyrie um <laughs> yep. yeah it's like you know like i just remember that shot in particular uh because I sort of like after seeing, like I said, like those wide shots that look like paintings and a lot of these other amazing shots, like the the, the green smoke blowing in the cl- in the crowd before he for fight before Thor fights Hulk. Oh, yeah. Ring. Like there's all these cool shots that kind of like it was almost like filling up my like my wow meter, you know, and mm-hmm. then that shot with the explosions going off behind her and her badass walk towards the camera. I literally was like slack jawed and I, I typed into the thing immediately like this scene is so fucking cool. <laughs> like, I, was just so like, cool. I was like, I couldn't control myself, you know? And I think uh, this, yeah, I, just, I think this is a, it, it, I think he made an obvious attempt to do it. And I think it worked really well. I also just want, sorry, I just want to throw in there. I love the Willy Wonka tunnel scene. Oh, right, 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 right. That's yeah. so, so good. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. We haven't really talked about Goldblum too much. Um, and it's weird because this movie, <laughs> I mean, it exists in three different worlds, literally, but it almost at times feels like different movies within itself. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when we're at a Sakaar, it feels like one thing versus when we're on um, Asgard, it feels like another thing, which I guess is just, uh, I don't know, a, a symptom of what's happening in each of those locations. But I just appreciate how comic book movies and and you know fantasy movies and stuff and especially uh when we have um a canon or a timeline like the mcu where we have this whole a bunch of movies all coming into one we get a peek into a world like sakar like just the imagination that you can have and the way it can all tie together and you can have all these cool interesting characters and like i would love to see a whole movie on sakar like maybe that like that could be a disney plus series you know and i think obviously so good like now that i'm thinking about it ragnarok uh could have easily been uh eight to ten episode series granted i don't know where they go after that but you know after wandavision maybe that doesn't matter or with falcon and winter soldier 
you know, maybe we could do a six hour or a six episode run and then it could go into the the next movie. Um, but and I'd be here like, oh, I'm sorry. I would say like, no, I, I would totally be here for the, the planet Hulk series, like show oh, Hulk man. landing there and then how he became the champion. Like you, so I want cool. that whole backstory because like Matt said, this is the best Hulk story that we've had. And that's the one of the best regard as the best like comic book runs for Hulk is planet Hulk. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's show him landing there and yeah. And just like how oh, so and up until Thor comes, like I want to see all of that in the comic book. Mm-hmm. So this is, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm not well-versed in the comic book lore. Um, does Sakaar in, end up becoming planet Hulk? I don't think it's like actually Sakaar, but uh, he's like sent off earth and Lance, I don't know what the planet is, but Matt, I mean, you might know better than I do, but I do believe it's kind of the the champion thing. It kind of exists there too. So that's like one of the the lines, the storylines mm-hmm. with Hulk. And so they just kind of like interwove this with Thor and that's how they mm-hmm. like kind of got together. So it's like, that's one of the, the better storylines. Like there's, there's Red Hulk. There, there's a few that are out there, but I think Planet Hulk is just one of the more fun ones and more, one of the more popular ones. So yeah, if there's any sort of prequel they could do with that, like I think that'd be super fun to see because obviously who we meet isn't the Hulk we left with Age of Ultron. You know, like this is a, he can, right. he kind of talks mm-hmm. now, you know, yeah. <laughs> like he can like respond, you know, it's like toddler ish, you know, it's not like full sentences or anything, but like, it's the first time that we really get that, you know, Why? you're not even listening. Don't kick stuff. You're being a really bad friend. You bad friend. You know what we call you? No. We call you the stupid Avenger. You're a tiny Avenger. <laughs> What are you crazy? Yes. I, I don't know that we heard him say any words as Hulk before that. I think it was always just yelling. I, don't, I can't remember. Yeah. I remember it being a big deal when he yelled no or something. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, exactly. And he's like, no team, just Hulk. Like, yeah. like, he, like he was doing that stuff. Planet of the Apes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I'm Yeah. That's a long tangent just to say that I would love to see a planet Hulk series. Yeah. Same. Um, so, we talked. We've talked sort of a lot. Well, one of us did. Uh, talked a lot about Kate Blanchett and her portrayal of Hela, and it's it's fits into a theme that I'm noticing that I really like about the MCU is the like women in the MCU are not only an important part of it, but a lot of times they're some of the best characters and some of the you know it's like they they're becoming the best part of. Um, of the universe. And I mean, yeah. and honestly, you know, star Wars is doing the same thing. There's obviously like a concerted effort in Hollywood to tell more stories with powerful women, which I think is great. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. I don't really have a direction for it, but you know, like Kate Blanchett is incredible in here. We introduced to the Valkyrie uh, mm-hmm. and then we have Valkyrie, the character played by Tessa Thompson, who is yeah. herself a Valkyrie which I think is confusing and strange. Um, but I love, I love that idea that we have this whole women of female warriors, obviously wonder woman on the D on the DC side. Um, I'm yeah. I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I just wanted to mention that I've, I've, I love the direction that it's happening. We're getting like, you know, black stories or we have black heroes with black mm-hmm. Panther and, 
women heroes. And I don't know, I think it's cool. And I think it's a really beautiful thing about um, the community around comic books because I don't know, I, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but it just seems like it's, it's fairly inclusive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's a place for, not that I think uh, anyone outside of the straight white male is an outsider, but everyone's story to some degree is told in a comic book somewhere and everyone can relate to it no matter their background. And I think that's cool that it's being represented that way in, uh, in Hollywood through these movies. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, either of you, but well, it, it's been interesting to see how things have evolved, even just like on the pages um, over the last, you know, 20 20 years and not to say that there weren't like progressive ideas and things that they did even back in the seventies to make things more inclusive. Uh, but I feel like it was like once every decade, they would like throw in something to make a headline. Um, and the thing is like, just that there's still, I mean, there's still a ways to go. There, there's still things that are making headlines, you know, that shouldn't be, you know, For like, sure. why is, why is this a story still? Uh, yeah. But I think, uh, Marvel was kind of uh, trying really hard, you know, a few years ago to to make their appeal broader, to cast their net wider. They sort of recast a bunch of like the flagship characters, um, introduced like new, you know, characters that are either of color or um, really cool, like uh, uh, women characters. And. uh, But a lot of it, too, that you know, came to the ire of a lot of um, a lot of what I would say is like the opposition to these things. There's like they made like a a female Wolverine, a female Spider-Man, a female Captain America, a female Mm -hmm. Iron Man. And like people are like, what are they doing? Yeah. Like these characters are male. These are men characters. Why don't they make their own? You know, you know, it's and so what one thing that I feel like the MCU's done really well at um, is they and I don't think it in any way was to appease like those people. I don't think they care about appeasing those people, but right. they've taken characters that have existed and they've just given them a more prominent role. They've given them better arcs. They've made them feel more important. They've highlighted like how cool they've been, really been all along. Um, and I think they've even still been learning along the way. Like for sure. I don't think Avengers comes out today with just Black Widow you know, yeah. like thrown in there. Like it's all these toots and then Black Widow. I don't think that happens right now anymore. Yeah. So we've come a long way just in the in the cinematic universe. That's true. Um, but I think, yeah, they've done a great job with with some of these other characters and just making them like just super awesome. Yeah. And I can't I'm not no expert, you know, in how women are portrayed um, in these superhero genres, but it seems like the response is overwhelmingly positive with them. Yeah, my takeaway from a lot of this is that guys are fucking dumb. You know what I mean? Like we, <laughs> like we. T- I mean, we mentioned the Ghostbusters remake earlier, and that was just like, I don't know. People are like, well, my childhood's ruined. Like, no, that movie still exists. Yeah, like that movie is not gone. We, we're not doing an emergency recast of Ghostbusters, which maybe we can. But mm. in real life, that movie still exists. It's there. You know what I mean? Um, but there are all these people who were just like butt hurt. I mean, even just about like ray and star wars just like all this kind of stuff it's like you guys it's like it's it's fine i've played it before i won't play it again but i always think about that kumail speech like from the oscars like i grew up watching stories about white guys and i related to it it's fine if you guys give it a shot to like 
reverse the roles here. Like, how about you try to like relate to other people? And I think that's just what we're doing now. It's so good that we're getting all this inclusion. Like the golden globes got called out this year. They have 90 members. Not one of them is black. Yeah. It's (laughs) like, yeah, you guys need to address that. That's, that's so Mm -hmm. bad. You know, the Oscars. So white a few years ago, there's just so Mm -hmm. much stuff that goes with it. Um, But I think going back to the, the origins of, especially like the X-Men, like those were outcasts, you know what I mean? Like they were, they were the people who weren't represented. And that was like what it was. That's, you know, what the analogy was for them is that like, they were the Mm -hmm. outsiders and things. And so I think Marvel, even just in the comic books has always done a pretty good job of trying to represent that. I love it in Thor Ragnarok. You know, I think Taika, he writes great characters I love Rachel house in this movie who is like grandmaster's right hand. Mm-hmm. Um, she shows up in a lot of Taika's movies, like hunt for the wilder people. She's like oh, the cop. Right. She's like the, um, not the cop, <laughs> but the, yeah, whatever she is. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll never stop running. Yeah. And I'll never stop chasing you. I'm relentless. I'm like the Terminator. I'm more like Terminator than you. I said at first, you're more like Sarah Connor in, in the first movie too, before she could do chin-ups. But she's a child services person. Um, right. But she's super funny in Ragnarok, you know, and Grandmaster's like, I, I love when you come to visit it, 142. You bring me just the, the best stuff. Whenever we get to talking, Topaz, about Scrapper 142, what do I always say? She is the, and it starts with a B. Trash. No, not trash. Were you waiting to just call her that? It doesn't start with a B. Booze hack. Like, what? Like, were you just waiting to call her trash? Like, you start with a B, you know? Like, but I, I think, like, we, we, we write these great characters and we've established, like, in WandaVision that Captain Marvel and Scarlet Witch are the toughest, like, um, superheroes. I mean, they said that For in sure. there. It's like, those were the only two people that were going to take Thanos down by themselves, right. you know, other than, like, you know, Thanos cheating or whatever else you know it's like yeah those two are the two toughest people but i don't think it's a ploy to just be like girls like our stuff it's like no this is just like who who it is and it's fine to have inclusion and diversity and we need that and mm-hmm. not that i feel weird saying this because i don't want to toot our own horn by any means but i think we recognized how little we had experienced it you know even just in our movie watching that's why we started with spike lee yeah because we realized mm-hmm. like we need to like broaden our horizons as well like it starts with us, you know, there's stuff that's out there. They weren't making it as much back in the day, but it's, it's there and there's more of it now, which is great, but it's on us as individuals to like go out and seek it out and learn, you know, if we want to. So I think Marvel's done a great job with the diversity and the representation and the stuff that we have coming up with Eternals and Shang-Chi and, um, you know, Oscar Isaac playing Moon Knight. Like we've got a lot of great stuff coming up that, it just doesn't have to be straight white dudes, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, and it, just to, I mean, just to add to that, um, I've got two little girls and it's, and you know, they have the same parents. We've, we've tried to, you know, do everything the same, at least environment wise. Um, and like consumption of, you know, pop culture or media, whatever, nothing, nothing has been different, but my oldest daughter clings to more things that are more animals and also has no problem. Like she's way more into superheroes. She likes, you know, she's more fan of like the male superheroes. Like she's, she's into like all the things that Tommy's into. Um, and it's like, it's great. It's fun. You know, then I have my, my littlest girl who's just like girl, everything. It has to be a girl (laughs) thing. And when the kids pull out the action figures, who does she find? She finds Gamora, you know? (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, I think, 
male superheroes will appear appeal to, you know, people who are into those kind of things. But there are people out there who whose only entryway into it is going to be something that they can relate to and connect to. Sure. And so seeing that firsthand in my house, like all but solidifies my support for the wider net that they can cast out because this stuff, you know, deserves to be enjoyed by everybody. It is just such a cool thing that they're doing. And if somebody can see something on screen and have that, you know, that cool imaginative experience that we get to enjoy, um, I think it's, it's the coolest thing that they've done. For sure. And and like, it's interesting to hear you talk about like the difference in how your kids uh, interact with the comic book stories. Cause really kind of what it says to me is it's not necessarily that they're gravitating towards uh, the characters that they can relate to, which I'm sure it is true, but it's almost seems to me more just like they gravitate towards the ones they like. And, 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 you know, like, uh characters like hella and like uh scarlet witch and it, like those are those are cool characters you know all the women in black panther and and gamora like you mentioned like those are really cool characters you know what i mean they're and they're fun to watch and they're they're strong and they're they're powerful and uh yeah they're just as they're just as cool as like thor you know 100% and like so i i mean you have you have the crowd that says like you know, they're, they're trying to appease to women or like Disney's trying to make Star Wars, you know, appeal to women so hard. They're making Ray, you know, the main character. Well, guess what? My daughter still a- appeals to like Darth Maul. Like she yeah. prefers <laughs> those scary bad guys over Ray, yeah, you know, so, like, cool it's shit, not working you know? on her. You know, like, <laughs> this ploy that Disney's doing isn't, right. isn't working. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just yeah. To me, it's just it's finally getting to a point where like women are getting cool characters because. I can't remember where I saw this or where I read it or whatever, but talking about wonder woman and how, like, I mean, wonder woman, especially with this reboot, I mean, she's a complete badass. you know what I mean? Like she, she's uh, super strong and smart and all these things that, you know, your superheroes are supposed to be. But I remember someone criticizing her character and the origins of it in that, like, I I think it was a comedian or something, but I'm not going to try to do their bit, but basically saying how, like, how sexist it is to have a woman's biggest superpower to be able to make a man tell the truth, right? Like mm. just the coded sexism in that. And uh, that's kind of something I've always thought about. And it's just not something that we really, that we really, I mean, uh, uh, these characters is the, the, the characters that we're ta- had be, we've been talking about. They definitely have uh, their traits that you, you like people could argue are more specific to a man or to a woman. You know what I mean? But like, like Wanda's maternal instincts, right? Like, but they also showed vision or vision with paternal instincts. So it's just like, they're, they're not ignoring the fact that these are men or these are women or these are whatever designation they may be, but they're just, they're, they're just making them as important and as cool and giving them strengths and powers that are outside of their gender, which I think is really cool. Um, and Hella can create knives and throw them out of her hands. Like so cool. <laughs> what can't she do? <laughs> uh, she can't beat that giant yeah. monster. Spoiler, spoilers. She can't beat the Ragnarok. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't know how much more I want to sit here and try to pretend like I know the answers to all the problems in our world with regards to yeah. <laughs> sexism. It always feels strange to me to like preach into a microphone for the world to hear. Uh, because I certainly don't have all the answers, but I just think it's 
I just think it's really fucking cool. I just know that in a, in a, in a moment of honesty, like I was noticing, I started to notice like, Oh damn, like it's another, it's another tough woman. Oh, that's another badass female character. I started, I, I, I noticed it and I, and I sort of took pause to the fact that I noticed it mm-hmm. and I realized it was because like, Oh, that's because this has never happened before. You know, like I, yeah. I, I started to like hear the argument in my head. Like, like you were saying, Matt, where, oh, they're trying to, they're just doing this to be more appealing to women, which, first of all, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, like, they're just, I, I truly don't think it is. I think they just realize, like, we've been droning on about that a character can be cool regardless of how they designate themselves. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll start to see more, like, gender fluid or genderless or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, representation. Um, I think that would be great too. And so I don't know. I think we've obviously got a long way to go. Uh, but just the fact that uh, a movie like Thor Ragnarok can be a blockbuster hit and sort of make us think and talk about this stuff uh, yeah. is just another reason why I'm just, I wish comic book movies weren't always so easily overlooked. But it is what it is. And, uh, you know, we're not going to fix that overnight. But I, I think it's important that we're all talking about it. Um, well, I want to wrap up uh, on a little bit lighter note, I guess, and talk about uh, talk about this movie in particular, um, because I was as much as it's my one of my favorite MCU movies. I, I was sort of surprised to see it win. Uh, I thought for sure one of the big Avengers would win. Uh, I was glad to see that the final two were Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok. Um, and I'm curious. I, I we I think we've sort of touched on all the reasons this might be true. But why do you guys think it came out on top, uh, Matt? I think I'll I'll throw it to you first. Um, I think uh, one thing Marvel's done really good at um, with with Guardians and with um, th- with with this Thor is it, we, we talk about casting a wider net, and I mean that definitely applies to like from from a social standpoint. But even just like if you make a comedy or like something beautiful and funny, like it's going to appeal to so many more people and it's just so much more approachable. And I think with, in regards to our Instagram audience, I think, I mean, obviously most people following us are into movies. Otherwise they wouldn't be following us. Um, But to those who maybe aren't into the superhero genre, which there are plenty out there who are not. um, I think Thor is one of those few that they can, tolerate you know that they Mm -hmm. can happily watch and so i was anticipating thor or guardians doing really well for that reason alone just approachability you know have a good time um watching it and uh i i was pleasantly surprised to see black panther do as well as it did it's it's one of my favorites um i was shocked to see it in the finals um just because of the type of movie that it is and but I also think that that's also why it was where it was at, uh, mm-hmm. because it there's just there's so much discussion that can go on there. I think it's great to see again and again. Um, but it's also just like one of the most unique superhero movies ever made. Um, and I think. Both of these are very unique superhero movies, so it was kind of a fun matchup. Uh, but yeah, I would say that Thor won out. Uh, principally because of just how approachable it is. I uh, could, I I mean, Alex, uh, for those of you that don't know her, that's my partner. She is not a fan of the comic book movies. She does like guardians of the galaxy, 
And so when I was, I asked her if she wanted to do this watch party with us, I told her this was more in line with guardians of the galaxy. And she, because of that, she's like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll watch that because of all those things. Like nice. it was so much more accessible and she loved it. She was giggling the whole time. And you know, she had a good time watching the movie, which I was, I was happy for because I was afraid she was going to hate it. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right. Because I mean, this movie appealed to someone who she's not into this stuff, uh, mm-hmm. but, but she had a good time with it. I thought it was great. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reason Black Panther was in the finals is there's only one Marvel movie with a shirtless Michael B. Jordan. So, you know, it's yeah. If if you're the only movie that's got that, you're going to make it to the finals. That's true. Um, I think I've, I mean, I had guardians going all the way, but you know, as people who listen, know that's my favorite Marvel movie. So I, you know, was just like hoping, I guess that it was going to go all the way. (laughs) But I think again, to Matt's point, they're very similar in the sense that they're, they're easy to watch the watchability is there. The humor is there. Um, and as we've talked about on this pod before, I would like throw a dart to any Taika YTD movie and tell someone to go watch it because yeah. I think he just has that ability to like bring people in no mm-hmm. matter what the story is, but the humor is always there. There's, there's a emotional connection too, which I feel like we got in here. Um, this did a great job of introducing new characters, you know, with the grandmaster and Valkyrie and Hella while also like bringing us back to the old characters like Loki, like Odin and kind of a halfway point of both of those is Hulk. Like we know Hulk, but this is a new Hulk, you know, we get to mm-hmm. to discover yeah. this now. So um, yeah, I think it's just a, it's a great all encompassing movie when it comes to, to Marvel stuff. Like it's, yeah, it, it was wonderful. I'm glad that we watched it. Uh, it had been too long since I had seen it. So I'm glad it won. Well, that makes, I think three of us and, uh, I don't know how many people voted for it, but that makes a whole number of us, let's say. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was, it was a blast. I mean, the watch parties are always a great time. Um, I know we keep harping on it, but uh, if you're listening or you're watching and you're not following our Instagram, uh, I, I'm confused in how you even found this podcast in the first place. Uh, maybe you could follow us on Instagram and hit us with a DM and tell us how you found us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we do all of our interaction for the most part on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we vote for these watch parties on Instagram. So if you want to have a say in these sorts of things, uh, make sure you follow us and keep an eye on the, on your story feed so you can be uh, well-informed um, on that note. We've also got some Patreon options. You can check out on our website, threefilmspod.com. Uh, they'll give you some, uh, you know, Patriot, those uh, t- to become a patron, you'll get a bunch of different rewards. Some of which uh, are, you know, extra votes on what movies make it into these brackets. Uh, you'll have an extra say on things we watch. Uh, I'm, I believe it was one of our patrons that pushed the final vote of the movie that we watched. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's happened a couple of times where we've had like yeah. deadlocks and then we've gone with whichever the most patrons voted for. And I mean, speaking of that, we're going to have a Star Wars episode coming out Mm. May the 4th, and we're leaving it entirely up to our patrons. We're just going to have them tell us what movie we're going to talk about. No poll, no nothing. We're just going to leave it up to them. So I'm excited for stuff like that. Like, let's let's thank them for their support, like letting them tell us what they want us to talk about. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you don't want to become a patron, don't seriously, no worries, but you know, if, uh, if it's something that you're comfortable doing and you want to, you want to be a little bit more involved, then by all means, we'd, we'd love to have you and we'd appreciate it very much. But regardless, we absolutely appreciate you listening and watching on YouTube and commenting. And, uh, 
if you're feeling, if you got some time and you're feeling, you're feeling like it, uh, you're feeling generous, maybe hop on uh, Apple I or Apple. What is it? I, Apple, Apple podcast. Pod- yeah. Apple yeah. podcast. I was going to say iTunes. Cause I thought it was 2007 think, yeah. again, um, but yeah, jump get on off Apple your MySpace, podcast. get over to iTunes and <laughs> say, say goodbye to Tom. Um, but yeah, leave us a review. It, it would help us out a bunch and uh, you know, it would help us. We just, we just want to know, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. And uh, yeah, we hope to hear from you. And uh, with that, unless the boys have anything else they want to say, I think we'll sign it off. See ya. All right. Thank you. See everyone. Piss off, ghost.